You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Why do relationships fall apart? Because people don't try. I feel like people don't try. You know, there's a small issue and people just would rather, you know, drop it and give up and fight about it rather than talk. I think people give up too easily on things, uh, like in marriages, you gotta go through the good and bad and really try not give up. Due to a lack of communication, you know, not just with your partner, but also with yourself. Because if you don't know how to determine what your problems are, you know, with your own sense of reason, you're not gonna be able to listen with uh, conscious, sober discernment when someone else you know, uh, wants to speak to you of a thing. I guess people want different things. I think that has to do with more the technology side of today's society because we're so involved in the laptops, the phones, the tablets, and the smart watches and everything else, the glasses that put the internet on your face. And it's like, I enjoy technology too, but I don't consume myself in it so much to where I forget how to have a normal conversation with somebody outside of technology. Tell me, why do relationships fall apart? Uh, People change. They're not, they're not always the same person. They're not who you thought they were. Honesty is the biggest key. And so many people feel that the honesty isn't necessary. Incompatibility. It can be a lack of communication. It can be people changing, um, times changing around you. They take work. And if you're not willing to put an investment into a person and keep talking to them and keep putting the time and energy into it, then they fall apart and deteriorate. It's July at Springfield, go figure. But it's been, I think, downright atrocious at days. And wouldn't you know it that one of the hottest days of the year, our air conditioning went out at our house. And so we called the repairman and we called the repair service. And we called and called and called. And finally at five o'clock in the afternoon, boy, one guy came out. And he looked the unit over and thank goodness it wasn't the main unit because that can be a very pricey item. But he got it to tinker around and he discovered in the little generator box, there was a bug, literally a bug had gotten fried in there, actually several bugs and had dismantled the whole system. Went down to Lowe's, got a new part, installed it, air conditioning works, good to go had a nice cool night of sleep. Woke up the next morning and it had stopped working again. Called the repairman, he came out, thank goodness he didn't charge double for the weekend rate. Looked at the process, looked at the system, looked at the part and he said, you won't believe this. But there was another bug <laughs> crawled into that generator box and once again dismantled the system. He showed it to us. Well, this time he went down to Lowe's got a different part that closed off the entryway so the bug could not crawl in there and the air conditioning is working. Now Susan, who I call Eagle Eyes because she doesn't miss anything, noticed that in the siding that we just had done on our house, there was a little bit of an entryway, a little bit of opening that was really close to the air conditioning unit or the whole wiring system. I'm not a mechanic, I don't know these things. But she had those folks come out and repair that entry level. 
so the varmints could no longer enter and lurk within our house due to that entrance. Then we called pest control. And pest control is gonna come out three times a year, spray the pests, attic, lower level, various places in the garage, all over the place because we have declared a war on bugs. <laughs> in the same way, there can be some pests in our relationships. There can be some things that bug us to death. There can be some things that just kind of irritate us in special relationships, in key relationships that we have in life. Uh, but worst case scenario, they can eat away at the foundation like a termite. A little bug and another little bug and another little bug can dismantle the system. So what I wanna to talk to you today about are the pests, are the bugs that threaten to dismantle your key relationships. But I don't wanna just talk about that. I wanna talk about the source and where these bugs come from. I wanna talk about debugging our lives I want to talk about the most important relationship that keeps the pests away. Now, the video that we just saw has some good responses. People mention things that can get in the way of our relationships, technology, people go apart, people aren't willing to invest. In it, it takes two relationships, two people in the relationship to make things work, whether it's a marriage, a partnership, a friendship, even our faith family. But I don't think it goes deep enough in the responses. And what the video does and what self-help can never do for us Scripture gets right down to the heart of the matter. So let's revisit just some of those phrases from Colossians chapter 3 of what Scripture talks about in terms of these pests. Put to death, it says, put to death the sinful earthly nature that is lurking within you like a bug, sexual sin, impurity, lust, shameful desires, Greedy for the good things of this life. Now it is time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. Those are the phrases. Those are the bugs. Those are the pests that Scripture just keeps mentioning over and over again in terms of the things that get in the way of our relationships. Now look at this image and when you look at those different things, those different bugs, it can be overwhelming. It's like, you mean I gotta fight off all that? <laughs> That's impossible. But you know, uh, one of those things might 
not affect you as much as the other. But when we are debugging our house, we're not just trying to go after the wasp or the termites. We're going after all the bugs. And somehow, friends, in this life that we live, certain things can pest away. For you, it might be lust. For another person, it might be greed or lying or just not being able to get a hold of her anger, impurity, malicious behavior, slander, vulgar language. All this stuff kind of contributes to each other. And what I've sensed in my spirit is that the problem is the environment in which our culture lives is allowing more and more bugs to thrive. Why do relationships fall apart? How can relationships possibly stay together is my question. Now, now what kind of environment do bugs really thrive in? What would you say? There are wet places, maybe dark places, crevices, crevices. But you know, the biggest place of all is a swamp, isn't it? Like a swamp. I love visiting the Florida Everglades, but I wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> Alligators thrive there. Bugs thrive there. And it seems to me, at least, that our culture is becoming much more like a swamp. We hear about the swamp in Washington, D.C., and you've got to drain the swamp. And it seems to me, yeah, there's a pretty good swamp going on there. But it's not just in Washington. There's a swamp in our culture. There's a swamp where, I mean, lust and anger and bitterness and slander and gossip and rudeness and, and language isn't just thriving, it's being celebrated. I think we live in a swamp. There may be a really big swamp in your workplace and you don't know what to do about it. Is there a swamp or two in your home? Is there a swamp in your heart or in your spirit? What do you do when you look inside and the water's a lot more murky than you care to admit? This past uh, week or so, I have just under my skin felt agitated. I mean, agitation was just irritating me. <laughs> now, when I'm uh, upset at Larry, which I'm not, Larry's a fellow pastor. I'm just really glad to see you today, Larry. If I'm upset at you and you get under my skin, that could be Larry's problem. Maybe Larry is hard to live with. I don't think so. 
But what if I run into Dave? Oh my gosh. Uh, same problem Larry has, Dave has. And there's another person. And, and after a while, you begin to discover, hmm, might be me. And so I was just feeling in a spirit, just an agitated spirit. And it's not that uh, very many people knew about it. I was a nice, polite pastor that I usually am. <laughs> but, you know, my wife knew about it. The people that live closest to you know about it. In fact, Susan one night said, uh, do I hear agitation in your voice? I always have difficulty differentiating between the voice of my wife and the voice of God. Anybody else have that problem? Because frankly, I think my wife oftentimes is the voice of God and God speaks through her. So what do you do when there's this spirit, there's a, there's a murkiness, there's a swamp inside of you, whatever your swamp is. I mean, for me, the bug of irritation was bugging me. And so what I do when I'm at my best, when I have to, I stop and I go to my room. And my room is the physical room. And I have a chair in that room. And when I sit in my chair in that room, I am there for one purpose. I'm there to bring this, bring whatever it is and bring myself before God. And my room is also inside of me. I go inside the room in my heart. And I go there every morning, but sometimes I have to go there special times. And I just went to my room. And I said, Lord, uh, where does this agitation come from? And as I think and I pray and I, and I listen to God, I sense that sometimes the agitation can be what I pick up from other people because, you know, we live in such a negative environment and we live in such a, a culture that it's, it's hard not to be affected by that. How do, you, how do you not be totally immune from the swamp? And so a little bit I could say, yeah, that's probably part of it. And I got a blue card I get out and I pray because it's about how to let go of that stuff that I pick up from other people. And sometimes the agitation can be, uh, can be godly. Because, you know, Jesus got agitated, did he not? Jesus, if you read scripture carefully, there's many times Jesus gets really upset in, in, in the gospel about culture, about callousness, about bigotry, about prejudice, about judging, about slandering, about unloving, about rules and putting religion ahead of people. I mean, Jesus really gets agitated. And I think some of that can be, be from God, but you know what? And most of it this time came from my own swamp, came from the idea that Susan and other people couldn't fulfill X, Y, and Z in my expectations or what I wanted. So I have to let go of that but I have to own it. And this is where self-help will never help you. I'm not against self-help and self-help books and resources. I'm not against counseling and tools and techniques. 
But there are some things, friends, in our spirit that nothing can really help apart from God. And it's when I bring my true self and my whole self, not always what I want to be, but who I really am before God. God is then able to do a new, a new work and a new spirit in me. And so Paul says, okay, get out of the swamp. Don't live there. He says, instead, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Wow. You talk about helping your relationships stay together. And forgive anyone who offends you. Why are we so easily offended? Or am I the only one that has this problem? Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all things together, your all-purpose garment. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. And the word in Scripture there means umpire. When, when, when the peace of Christ rules over our hearts, it's like he's the umpire that rules over everything. So when you look at a different kind of image, let's look at that image where the cross is in the middle of it. And it's the love of Jesus. And Paul says, put to death these things. He doesn't only say that. He says, you died to this. You died with Christ. You see, the gospel is not just about what Christ does for us on the cross. Becoming a Christian is one thing. But that's just half the good news. The other half is that Christ goes to work in us. You see, you may be thinking, I'm a Christian, I've tried this, but I still get angry. I'm a Christian, I've tried this, but I still struggle with lust. I'm a Christian, I struggle with forgiving other people. I get it. I understand. God understands. But this is where it begins to make sense. If we really come to God and rely on God and live in his grace and his power and his strength, and what begins to characterize us more and more is love and forgiveness and humility and peace, kindness and tenderheartedness, gentleness and patience. You know, I gotta confess to you today, friends, I'm not a transformed person. I know what our mission statement is transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ, but I'm not a transformed person. I am being transformed, but I'm not there yet. And I go along in my life and weeks, maybe even months, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I feel like, yeah, those things are true about me more not. And then I find myself at times where it just seems like I'm back in the swamp. Just being honest. But I also know this. 
I just stay with God, if I just stay honest with God, if I just stay connected to God, if I just stay true to my wife, if I stay true to my family, if I confess my sins to a few, and if I continue to go to my room, whether I want to or not, there's breakthroughs. God breaks in. Things happen in our life where we're different and we're renewed. And we may take another step back into the swamp, but we don't have to live there. We don't have to, to stay there. But we can breathe the fresh air of God. Yesterday morning, I went to my room and I didn't want to go there. And immediately, the birds were in chorus outside my room in my backyard. I've never heard the birds sing for a minute or two as wonderfully as they did. And then it stopped and I felt bad. The music stopped. And then I looked down at the scripture, Psalm 102. That was my Psalm of the day. And it was like, come before the Lord with singing. And then the birds started singing again for about a minute. And then I sensed God say to me, the music doesn't have to stop with you. It can stay with you throughout the day. So friends, if you've been in the swamp, I just, I just wanna encourage you, don't give up on yourself and don't give up on God and it's part of the human condition, but there's so much more and it's so much better. And God does not want our relationships just to stay together, that's coping. That self-help may help you to keep your relationship together, but it's God's help that allows our relationships to thrive. And you begin to see breakthroughs where you become more tenderhearted, you become more aware of your bugs. You, be, you do not wanna tolerate these things. You become more humble in your spirit. You become more forgiving. Yeah, you become more than the emotion of love. You become love. Susan and I have uh, been together 32 plus years. 33 years ago or so, I asked her to marry me. She said yes, had to go meet the family. You know how you open your mouth, they check your teeth, make sure you're good to go. I wasn't too worried about her parents, but the couple I was concerned about were John and Margaret Iberg. Because John and Margaret Ibergs are two people that mentored Susan, especially through a hard time. They are two of the sweetest, kindest, genuine, real, loving Christ followers I know. And I was a little concerned <laughs> I would measure up. And later Margaret told me she wasn't impressed the first time she met me. <laughs> Just being honest. But Margaret and I have come to love each other. And I love John. And they're in their 90s, or just about, still live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We don't hear from them often. But when Susan and I grow up, I hope Susan becomes Margaret.
and I become John. In the Methodist ritual of a wedding, and I improvise when I do weddings and I do some contemporary things, but I'm pretty much a traditionalist when it comes to the vows, but there's a, there's a prayer in there that I think strikes me about any relationship, but especially a married relationship where it prays, Lord, enable this couple so to love each other and care for each other. Their marriage may not simply be a blessing to each other, but a blessing to the world. And it's relationships. This world is gonna become unraveled at its seams or it's relationships that's gonna restore the world. And it's our relationship with Jesus that holds it all together, but not just holds it all together, it causes us to thrive. Don't settle, don't settle for anything less. I wanna close with a spiritual practice. It's kind of uh, questions from the Benedictine model of three questions that I learned to end the day with. I call it checking in. It's on your Schweitzer app. You may wanna write this down. You may wanna keep this with you. But when I end the day, as I'm going to bed, and sometimes literally when I'm lying in bed, I ask God three questions. God, where did I notice you today? And it's amazing how when you look back at your day through the rearview mirror, you begin to see God showing up more than you thought, more than you realized. And then you ask the question, how did I respond? And sometimes you celebrate and say, thank you, God. I responded in the way I saw you work. I responded with people the way I, I want to. And other times it leads to confession. But confession is good. Ah, oh, it's good. Let that junk go. Kill off that bug. Confession is good. Then what's next? How do I live in anticipation and celebration and adventure with you, God, in moving forward now? And so this morning, I wanna just give you a couple of minutes where you get to check in with God. And I wanna encourage you to think about this spiritual practice every day as you end your day. But just for a couple of minutes, you get to check in with God right now. And just ask God, God, where am I noticing you today? God, how am I responding to you? God, what's next? Because God doesn't want our relationships just to get by. God wants our lives to thrive.